Welcome to another edition of Bite Marsh Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and of course, the innovation ecosystem. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off today's show learning about a great scholarship opportunity from the AFCEA Hawaii Education Foundation. Linda Newton, treasurer and board member, is going to be telling us all about it. And then we'll hear about the microwave technology as well as the upcoming microwave symposium that's coming up. We've invited Wayne Sharoma and George Zhang, and they will be here to tell us all about it. But again, first, we want to welcome Linda Newton from the Armed Forces Communication and Electronic Association Hawaii Education Foundation. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us today. Isn't that a mouthful? It is. It well, is. that's why it's it's abbreviated FCA, which you know all the people that are involved with sort of the armed forces and and the tech community refers to it as. Now, Linda, there's actually two organizations that we want to make clear: the FCA and the FCA Hawaii Education Foundation. So, tell us a little bit about FCA. So, FCA is a local nonprofit organization that is focused on bringing together members of the professional information technology and cyber community. Mm -hmm. So it allows for members who are military members, active duty and reserve, and retired, civilians from DOD. There will be members from academia uh, across the board, and we also have lots of members from our private sector companies and corporations who are partners to work with DOD to provide information technology services around the world to our armed forces and their civilian uh, And so you've been, you've been a member of, of AFCIA for quite a while. I've been a member of AFCIA for probably close to 20 years mm. as I worked within DOD in the information technology community. And FCA has, uh, they do a conference, right, every year? We do an annual conference every year, and that's actually one of the opportunities not only to bring together speakers from our leadership, both on island and within the DOD community as a whole, but we also do other training opportunities and leadership training that allows us mm. to fundraise for the purpose of the scholarship for the Educational Foundation. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this Educational Foundation. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, you're the treasurer and board member of that organization. It's the f more of the fundraising side of things, correct? That's correct. So the Hawaii Educational Foundation, or because we're with DOD, notice I used an acronym, we acronym even further, so we call us AHEF which is AFCIA Hawaii Educational Foundation. <laughs> so AHEF, so it's an acronym within an acronym. We're about five years old, and all of the funding that we raise comes from donation. Mm -hmm. It comes from donations from AFCIA members themselves, individual members. It comes from some of the corporations that we partner with and, and are sponsors for AFCIA, both the local chapter and the international organization. Uh, we've received donations from other nonprofit groups here in Hawaii, and we have fundraising activities as well. We do a golf tournament at the same time of the annual conference, so everybody goes to the conference, and then on Friday we all go play golf. Uh, as I said, we do some leadership training, and we have what we call continuing education units, which are DOD members have to retain their certification. Mm. So we provide opportunities for them to get spe specialized training so they can continue to have that certification. So education is obviously a big part of the mission, and what we were excited about is this uh, scholarship program in particular that you're looking for applicants. Tell we us are. about that. We are. So we are looking to award over 30 scholarships this year and at least $100,000 
for those scholarships. Mm. We expect that we'll have, as I said, 30 scholarships, and we're focusing on students from Hawaii. So they can go to school here in Hawaii or they can go to school on the mainland, but they have to be uh, from a family in Hawaii. And even our military families who are stationed here have students who apply, and they're eligible to apply for that. So the pot of money that you are able to give out as scholarships is $100,000? At least. Uh-huh. We're, we're still working on that, sure. and, and that's part of my job as the treasurer. But right now, we are targeting at least $100,000 for scholarships. And, and that is not an insignificant sum. No, and, and what is the typical time frame for people to apply and actually receive a scholarship? We are looking to the, – the application process is open right now, mm-hmm. and we are looking to close that at the end of June. That's why this is very timely for us to be able to come to talk to you today mm-hmm. because all of the students should be finishing up with school, getting ready to graduate or, or just finishing graduation and the graduation parties. Yes. And now they can focus on, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for college? So this is, this is there. Now, I, I have to tell you that we are focused on a specific fields of study. So because we're in communications and electronics, mm-hmm. we are looking at STEM Mm-hmm. which stands for science, technology, engineering, math, and we put in cyber as well. So cyber is an interesting field within DOD that, that has certain definitions within the defense community, but we want to make sure that that includes the cyber community as well. Now, there was a uh, an event, an award ceremony this past Saturday over at uh, St. Francis, uh, I'm sorry, Sacred Hearts, and it was really featuring teams that came out of the Cyber Patriot program. That's correct. And they, they won a bunch of recognition. And I think FCO was there as well. Yes, we were there. Uh-huh. So that's one of those where we are looking to learn more about cyber and STEM activities in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, some are at the high school level. Some are other nonprofit organizations for how we can team up and really look to to be able to to leverage the expertise we have to grow the next cyber sure, students, next the generation. next technology, the next technologist, if you will, mm-hmm. for those folks that are still in school and they they aren't sure that they can afford to go do this field of study. This hopefully gives them an opportunity. So if somebody were to apply, would they be applying for their entire, let's say, four years, or would it be just their freshman year and they have to apply again for a sophomore year? I mean, how does the scholarship work? So it's an annual scholarship. So if, in fact, they are looking for a four-year study, mm-hmm. they would have to apply every year. Mm-hmm. And then you said there's criteria. So what... I know it's all in the STEM fields, but how would you, let's say, qualify any of those uh, criteria? So what we look at, and if you go to our webpage, and I know I'll have an opportunity to to provide that, uh, it talks about everything that you need to present to us. And Mm -hmm. I would say, having been on the review committee, it's important that when somebody applies, they provide all of the activities Mm -hmm. that we look for. So we look for a statement as to why you want to study in this field Mm -hmm. that you're looking at. And and it's going to be the broad STEM cyber area, but usually the reasons are a little bit more specific. Uh, We'll look at what your transcripts are and what the grades are. We look at uh, recommendation letters from, could be a counselor, it could be a former professor, could be a current professor, and all of those packages and the complete package is very helpful for us to, to then determine and rank 
between mm-hmm. what's students as well as we look at what's outside of your academia. So there might be volunteer work mm-hmm. that goes along with it, similar to other other type of, of application processes, the, the whole person. And then we make a determination. Last year, uh, we were able to give out pretty much scholarships to almost all of the qualified candidates hmm. that we had. So this sounds like a great program, Linda. You mentioned the website. We'll put it on our show notes at bitemarkscafe.org. But what is the URL that people can go to? org. So that's AFCEA, H-E-F for educa- Hawaii Educational Foundation. Fantastic. And when's the application deadline again? The application deadline is June 30th. Fantastic. We've got a little time. So if you want some money, please apply for this great scholarship. And thank you, Linda, for joining us. Thank you very much and have a good evening. Thank you. Absolutely. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Wayne Sharoma and George Zhang. We'll talk about microwave technology. Don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Inter-Island Solar Supply, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. I can't imagine life without Morning Edition. One of the things that, as a news junkie, I like about listening to public radio is the news from different places, how we can listen to news from the BBC or from Deutsche Welle, And it's always interesting to hear from beyond the U.S. perspective, to hear how we're perceived in the world and to hear other people's voices. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us in the studio, Wayne Sharoma and George Zhang. Wayne is a professor and department chair of the Electrical Engineering Department over at University of Hawaii, Manoa. And, of course, he's the general chair for the 2017 IEEE MTT, and I'll have you tell us what (laughs) MTT is, International Microwave Symposium. George, meanwhile, yes, which is coming up. George is the 2017 BSEE graduate. Congratulations, George, from the University of Hawaii and the IMS 2015 2017 Interactive Forum Chair. He is headed to UC Berkeley for a PhD. And of course, uh, how has the microwave technology impacted us over the years? And we'll want to hear about, you know, I mean, our microwave ovens and how it turns into <laughs> cameras. And we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Uh, and we're looking forward to having 8,000 microwave engineers converging on Oahu in just 19 days. I know. It's exciting. And this is something that Hawaii hosted 10 years ago, right? And you were the general chair 10 years ago. It was exactly 10 years ago. Uh, 2007 was a banner year for Hawaii because we had something like five engineering conferences coming to the Hawaii Convention Center. And our microwave conference was the largest one. It generated $34 million in visitor spending for the state. Oh, great. Now, I jokingly said that, you know, we want to learn how we can turn our microwave ovens into cameras. But more basically just so that people can get a grounding as far as what microwaves are and some of the technology and how it might play into something like an oven. George, can, we, can you give us like the basic microwave 101? Oh, shoot. 30 seconds? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, typically when you hear of microwaves, you think of the microwave oven. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just so happens that the microwave oven uses the same microwave frequencies as, say, your phone. 
or the antennas you use to uh, get uh, TV reception. And so it turns out that uh, these microwave frequencies are pivotal in today's world. Uh, they really form the backbone of communications today. So if you want to talk to like loved ones or just want to keep update with the news, mm-hmm. uh, you, there's just no way about it. You, you can't go about your day without uh, microwave technology, microwave frequency. What is we, the typical frequency of yeah. a microwave? Uh, so for like, I think Wi-Fi, it's around like 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know we recently did a show about 5G, talking a little about the next generation wireless technology in that spectrum. And from what I understand, that's well within the realm of microwave engineering. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, and in fact, the, the theme of our conference is a play on Hawaii 5 We call it Hawaii 5G, Catch the Wave. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Now, uh, in terms of some of the work that, or the work that you guys do at, at UH, are you getting a lot of students interested in, in microwave technology? And, and what are some of the areas of study that they're exploring? Well, George is uh, the perfect person to talk about what's the latest that we're doing in antenna technology. Mm-hmm. So, George. Oh, so uh, I've been researching in uh, liquid metal reconfigurable electronics with a specific focus on uh, microwave devices. And so we've been able to use liquid metal to... Uh, so I guess the cool thing about liquid metal is that you can reshape it however you like, and that's really perfect for microwave applications where the actual shape of the device really matters, uh, really uh, uh, alters the performance. So when I think of liquid metal, okay, I think of Terminator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, of course, things like mercury, right? Mercury is like a liquid metal. I mean, yeah. so what are, what are you, when you talk about liquid metal, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, I mean, the dream is like the Terminator. I mean, uh, putting the ethics aside, uh, I think it would be uh, <laughs> putting the ethics aside. Yeah, I think it would be an incredible feat to have, uh, say, a liquid metal robot be able to go from a puddle to a full three D standing like human human shape. So, are we at the point now where we can take? Uh, and I, I need you to describe what exactly would a liquid metal example be. I mean, would it be mercury, or how would you then shape it into something else? Okay, so uh, firstly, uh, the reason why I think liquid metal is becoming pretty popular today is that uh, back in the day, people used mercury, mm-hmm. which is uh, very toxic, mm-hmm. so uh, not many people want to work with it. Uh, but recently, in alternatives, uh, gallium-based uh, liquid metals, uh, pretty much non-toxic. You can, uh, it says you can eat it, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, that have, just... As, a, as an undergrad, have you tried? Wayne, have you given him that assignment? Oh. <laughs> Hey, as a professor, we are ethical, so we don't True. give anybody talk uh, things to. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you connect the what I imagine is discussion of frequency and transmissions to what sounds like a physical matter, with, uh, like a liquid metal? Is it that the metal is, like you said, the antenna, and because an antenna can take different shapes, that's how you manipulate the frequencies? Oh yeah. So, like a str- uh, like a simple dipole antenna, which is basically like a straight piece of wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the length of the wire that uh, determines the frequency. And so if you imagine a liquid metal slug and you're stretching it or uh, shrinking it, uh, that, alter- that alters the length, which then alters the operating frequency. And so no. it's flexible rather than fixed the way most people would think of an antenna. Yes. So, you know, I also think of, of liquid as something that would be poured and, fl- and would flow over this table. How would you control it in some container? that you can now expand 
in various lens.、Mm-hmm. So this is where I think our group is one of the foremost in this technology,、uh, especially when it deals with, like you mentioned, manipulating the liquid metal. So we're able to do that with very small electrical voltages,、uh, which I think is perfect because、uh, all the devices we have today they run off of、uh, electrical voltages.、Mm-hmm. And so,、uh, as you mentioned, there are、uh, there are alternatives like you can pump it with a syringe. I don't think that's very practical. And so I think what our group is doing is really cool because we're using、uh, practical electronic voltages to move the liquid metal. And would you、it. be moving them inside some sort of let's say a, ga-、uh, a glass、um, cap- capillary or something? Or? Yeah, yeah. No,、so、but but okay. Now, if you have <laughs> if you have liquid metal inside this this、uh, containment,、mm-hmm. you have air in there, right? So if、yes. you're expanding it, wouldn't the air prevent it from expanding? How do you how do you Get rid of the air that's already in a closed system. Oh, I see. So、uh, to actuate the liquid metal using a voltage, what we do is we submerge the liquid metal in a electrolyte,、uh, for instance, sodium hydroxide, and we keep the two ends of the channel open so that you don't have、um, pressure、mm-hmm, really building、mm-hmm, up mm-hmm, on one side.、Mm-hmm. Someone here might be an EE graduate. I think.、Uh, might, no, I'm might, just <laughs> you know I'm just nearly. I mean, and so this is just one element of how you might work with microwaves. And、uh, Wayne, this isn't an international event. So one of the things I'm curious about is how maybe in the United States people are dealing with 5G and regulations and FCC and all of these things when you're actually dealing with a technology that might not have those kind of constraints. Outside the U.S., I mean, is this conference an opportunity to see、uh, things that might, you know, might be、uh, in our future, or some things where we're in the lead? Actually,、uh, this international microwave symposium truly is international.、Um, Bert asked me at the beginning of the talk that、uh, you know what does MTT stand、mm. for? You know, that's a branch of. The Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers (MTT) stands for the Microwave Theory and Technique Society. It's one of the five largest societies within IEEE. IEEE itself is the largest technical、uh, professional society in the world, and over half of our membership in MTT is from outside of the United States.、Mm-hmm. So we're drawing eight、um, thousand、uh, people, uh, s- engineers. As well as exhibitors,、um, as well as、uh, sales reps, and so forth, we're going to have、uh, the largest、uh, exhibition filling all three halls of the、uh, convention center, and we're all sharing、um, things from an international nature. So, in specific,、uh, the 5G initiative. There's huge advances going on in China. So, one of our plenary speakers is going to be the chief technology officer of Huawei、uh, ah, Wireless. Oh, great! You know, we want. I want to hear more about all the perhaps、uh, sort of new technology that might get introduced at the、uh, at the conference.、We、want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Wayne Sharoma and George Zhang about microwave technology and the upcoming International Microwave Symposium. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Locations, Nohea Gallery, and Straub Medical Center.
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Wayne Sharoma and George Zhang about microwave technology, the upcoming symposium. Now, right before the break, we were talking about sort of the breakdown and the international scope and some of the different parts of it. And you mentioned uh, Huawei, which is an enormous manufacturer. I mean, certainly rivals brands that people in the United States might be aware of. Uh, What are some of the other large players that this conference draws? Uh, we have a number of uh, exhibition companies that are the big ones, uh, in both in the United States as well as worldwide. Uh, one of our sponsors is Keysight. You you may remember it from the 1970s as Hewlett Packard that became Agilent, and now they're Keysight. Huh. Also, National Instruments. Um, and a number of other companies. Even Apple is going to be one of our exhibitors this year. And Apple doesn't really exhibit at very many conferences outside of their own, you know, WWDC. What is Apple, let's say, in is what's their involvement with this conference? Well, if you, if you think about it, it was exactly 10 years ago that the iPhone came out. So it's a 10-year anniversary, and everything that uh, makes wireless technology possible is um, – is is that communication technologies that we are developing uh, at the International Microwave Symposium. Mm-hmm. And certainly Apple more recently does its own chip fabrication, chip design, things that are uh, certainly in the wheelhouse. Um, Wayne, you mentioned some of these companies, but we also know from what we just discussed that it, there's also a lot of research happening, research universities. Is there a, are there those different tracks for this conference, the research side, the business development side, the, uh, you know, the hardware side, is it broken out that way? I mean, do these different groups interact differently, or is it just a giant you know, potpourri mix of all of these topics? Right. I, I like to think of um, the scope of this conference as anything that makes your iPhone or your Android phone works. It's, it's uh, wireless encompasses so many things, down from the individual transistors, all the way up to the circuits that encase them, all the way up to the modules that enclose the circuits, all the way to the systems that that involve all of this. And um, the next big thing, as you know, is the Internet of Things, and that will play a huge factor in uh, using 5G technology. Now, Wayne, I know um, you're the general chair, and, and you can probably do a lot of things, but are there other people helping you with this conference here in Hawaii? We have something like 300 people on our steering committee, um, and I would say uh, all pretty much from UH. No, they're they're from all over the world. Okay. Actually, uh, you know, 200 of them are uh, technical reviewers of papers, mm-hmm. and the other hundred are more on the logistics end of things. Mm, it's a big team now, now George, George. You're the head of the interactive forum. Tell us about that part of the the conference. Oh, so the interactive forum is where uh, hundreds of people come to present their results in a really cool electronic format. Uh, so it's kind of like a poster session, but you have a huge display screen, and you can flip through videos and slides, and it, it's super interactive. So people can come up, uh, they can comment, they can ask questions, and you can address them right then and there. Uh, yeah, our role is to make this process as smooth as possible, uh, because over the span of days, we're going to have uh, perhaps uh, more than 100 of these uh, presentations. Mm. And, yeah. So in terms of the interactive forum, I mean, how would someone walk up to this display? Would it be 
multiple displays being presented or is it one in a room that everybody's watching? How would you interact with this electronic presentation delivery? So as of now, it's going to be uh, multiple people in the same room. So if you imagine a room and then uh, around the edges will be uh, just lined with uh, presenters, uh, each with their own dedicated screen. Mm -hmm. And then the audience members can just uh, rotate around the room and just see whatever they like to see. Mm-hmm. Now, George, you said this is a big conference. 8,000 people is, is not insignificant. How much of this is accessible or even accessible in terms of getting access to it, but accessible in terms of understandable to the general public? Uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, so as a volunteer, you pretty much have access to uh, whatever you'd like to see. So last year when I volunteered, uh, I could look at uh, any talk. So it could range from interactive form it could range from uh, technical talks too. And so uh, during my time there, I tried to take advantage of all Mm -hmm. the talks I could. And so I saw these things that I've never seen before. For instance, this one antenna that it it was just made of these weird like round circular shapes. And I was like, whoa, what is this? (laughs) And so, yes, as a student, I found it very hard to understand. But it's very cool to see things that you've never seen before. And I think the exposure is really important. Wayne? Mm. Another thing that we have special for Kamaaina mm-hmm. is uh, we have three days of exhibition in uh, the exhibi- exhibition hall of the Hawaii Convention Center, and we are offering Kamaaina free access all three days. You can see uh, 500 different companies ex- ex- uh, showing their wares. So that's a, a, a great way to uh, showcase it to the public. Is Huawei one of the exhibitors? Is Apple one of the exhibitors? Apple's is, is one of the exhibitors. Huh. Huawei may have a, a demo. And on Thursday, this is our STEM day. Governor Ige will, will kick it off, and we're going to have um, over 100 uh, middle and high schoolers walking in and uh, seeing the exhibits. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that. How has the, I guess, the organizing committee interacted with our uh, schools to perhaps participate. What did you do to attract them? You know, this is all due to uh, the hard work of Cheryl Ishii, who's at the University of Hawaii. She worked very tirelessly with school teachers around the state. We even have a group of students from Molokai coming in, and they're here to learn all about uh, microwave technology. And one part of the program that uh, I'm fortunate to be able to participate in, I think you are as well, Wayne, can you tell us about this idea of a three-minute thesis? Yes, this all started from the University of Queensland in Australia, Mm -hmm. where PhD students who spend four years trying to uh, write their dissertation have to distill their entire research in just three minutes using one static slide. One slide. So for the (laughs) first time, uh, this is the 60th year that we've had an international microwave symposium. We're going to have this three-minute thesis. Uh, A select group of 19 presenters will be presenting their hard work of research within just three minutes. Now, uh, George, I mean, you're headed off to Berkeley. I want to hear in 30 seconds or less, what are you going to do once you get your Ph.D.? Oh, my dream is to become a professor, like Professor Shroma. Oh, uh, how sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I could not have gone to, I could not have done what I've done without uh, my professors, uh, now, my mentors. Do you do you envision maybe coming back to Hawaii? Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I can hear the yeah, excitement. Getting, 
I think getting a position in academia is is very difficult, mm-hmm. uh, regardless wherever you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I would be uh, really honored to get a position. Uh, just a te- just a teaching position. Well, we'll keep an eye on you. For yeah. sure. So, Wayne, real quick, where can the Kamaana go to actually register for this free Kamaana Day? Well, if you go to ims2017.org and just email the, uh, the information uh, person there, we will send you the Kamaana code. What, what, what are the dates again of this conference? It's all at the convention center, we 8,000 people. I'm sure it'll be hard to miss, but where should we? It will be in 19 days, starting on the 4th of June, running until the 9th of June. All right. Very good. So we will put that up on our show notes and uh, let everybody know where to register. Wayne Sharoma is the professor, department chair of the AA department, general chair of the 200, I mean, 2017 International Microwave Symposium. Symposium. And of course, George Zhang is a recent graduate headed to UC Berkeley for his PhD. We want to thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Ryan and Bert. Let's all say, I caught the wave. Ah, Very (laughs) nice. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about, hey, the Internet of Things. And if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. You can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, stay safe. We'll see you back here next week with another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.